Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. Today's show is going to be the follow-up that I promised you from the last show, which is on a topic of the, the detailed analysis behind why you actually do want to get real server hardware in many cases instead of buying uh, supposedly pre-made appliances. And I'm going to specifically talk about this topic of a video management server or video management system, uh, otherwise known as the VMSs. And you could also call it the video management solution, whatever you want to call it. But regardless, it's basically a VMS. Now, for sake of some comparison, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard about DVRs, which are digital video recorders. You see them very significantly advertised in the whole you know, consumer space. You go over to Walmart or Best Buy, and there's some little DVR thing. And uh, it's advertised as being part of a kit that comes with some you know, low-grade surveillance cameras. So video surveillance, I mean, clearly, if you have security concerns, some video surveillance is better than no video surveillance. Okay, so that's it, number one. But once you start getting into the realm of actually caring about the video quality and getting to the point where law enforcement or yourself would actually have some usability of that video, well, you're now getting into the realm of caring about pixels per inch that are on that particular uh, system, you know, in terms of the view of that video when you are able to play it back later on. So pixels per foot, pixels per inch, these sorts of things would, which fundamentally end up translating to can you actually tell what is going on while you are looking at the video post capture. So if it is a license plate that you're after, you need to be able to actually see the license plate. And in all different sort of weather conditions, it needs to be visible at night, needs to be visible during the daytime, so you have to consider things like angles and the reflectivity of license plates. But if it's a face that you're after, then placement of the camera matters as well as quality of the video. So quality of the video really makes a big difference if you're actually trying to have effective video surveillance, as opposed to just security theater, which is what I call it when people uh, buy these low-grade El Cheapo systems that really they've spent money and wasted time implementing something that has no outcome. And when you can't view a license plate when it was your goal to get a license plate number, well, then you've just spent money on something that hasn't delivered the result, and therefore you just lit money on fire. And this is oftentimes what happens, because too many people ha that are searching for surveillance solutions have absolutely no understanding about what the actual metrics are that should be utilized in order to uh, delineate between should I have this solution versus that solution. They just simply are looking based upon price. And again, I argue that if the solution that you've implemented 
does not actually give you a viable result, then you just lit money on fire. And I've seen organizations light $30,000 on fire. And nobody in the world could make an argument that they couldn't have done better with a better designed system that was actually designed by somebody who was competent if they were going to spend $30,000 anyways, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's just not an, that's, that's not an intellectually honest argument. If you're going to spend $30,000, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, they could, somebody who was talented enough could have come up with a, a viable solution for you for that amount of money. Yeah. So really vet your vendors, but uh, that's, that's a whole nother show. Anyways, back to this whole topic of uh, video surveillance, I keep getting and how this translates into uh, the economics of what you need in order to get this as a viable outcome. Good quality video means that you're creating larger video streams of content so say 4K video versus eight megapixel video, the 4K video is going to take up more storage space. And so when you start getting into this realm of caring about the quality of the video, you are necessarily getting away from the point solution DVR appliance options, and you start moving into this whole realm of saying, I really need to have a video management system. Okay, so number one, what I'll tell you about DVRs is they're a complete waste of money. I mean, it's it's literally just like lighting money on fire. You can't secure them. They tend to not have, uh, I've never actually seen a DVR that had any level of uh, hard drive redundancy or resiliency built into it. They don't have adequate storage capacity in general, and they don't scale, right? And they, the reason they don't scale is because they just don't have the internal capacity to be able to put enough hard drives in there to give you the storage requirements that you need. So now you're looking at moving into, all right, I need something that's really more of like a real computer. So we might be talking about a server or we might be talking about a PC that's been beefed up with very large hard drives. So give you an example of something that you might do in your own home. Let's say you didn't want to spend the money on a server, but you wanted to have surveillance and you wanted to have good quality video cameras. Okay, great. So then you would get however many video cameras you thought you needed and you would install them. But then in terms of the VMS, you can very economically buy a PC and put two 10 terabyte hard drives in that PC. And 10 terabyte hard drives are really not that expensive. They're rather economical these days. So you could probably do that whole thing for less than $3,000. And that would effectively give you almost 20 terabytes of storage for the video for your surveillance cameras. And why do you want that much video storage? Well, because you went and bought good quality cameras, which of course are going to consume more storage space when they're actually creating recordings that have captured a viable, usable quality of video. 
So all this stuff that you see on the TV and in movies where they're like, enhance the image, enhance, enhance. Uh, you can't enhance for pixels that were never captured to begin with. And the whole 1080p space, so you know, you're probably familiar with 1080p televisions. 1080p in a video surveillance is, in my opinion and my direct experience, which is rather significant on this topic, is nice for 1080p is nice for general idea of what's going on but you really are just not going to be satisfied with any level of recognition coming off of 1080p anymore and i don't even care if you're talking about a single room let alone like an outdoor location you're certainly not going to get a license plate uh, using 1080p unless you're directly zoomed in on a very very small space which then causes problems with how can you target that to see to make sure that you got that license plate specifically uh, because you had it zoomed in on exactly the place where the automobile would be so that is not necessarily the most effective strategy while yes you do want to be able to zoom in on on a specific space if you're really trying to have like a dedicated LPR license plate reader camera that really doesn't work in a lot of cases where what you want is more of a camera that is showing you generally what's going on in the area but if an automobile approaches a particular space you would like to actually get the license plate on that so that requires having adequate video quality so now you're really talking about a 5, 8 megapixel 4K video and up. So 1080p just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. And the interesting thing is that a 1080p camera and a 5 megapixel camera are really the same price now. So there's no reason to be buying lower quality cameras anymore. It's just that would just be silliness to do so. So I've talked about this whole aspect of why you have to have adequate storage. And of course, the more cameras you have and the higher the quality of the video is that you want to capture, that's more storage consumption. And this also directly relates to retention time. If you can't retain your video for at least two weeks, then I question whether you're retaining enough video to be able to trace back and figure out what happened post-incident. You're not necessarily going to always know about incidences right away. Sometimes it takes a, a week or two, in some case longer, to find out about something. So in an ideal world, you'd have at least 30 days of video, at least. But that's not always possible in every circumstance. So I would say a minimum to shoot for would be two weeks. There are techniques you can use to capture one week's worth of video on a primary system and then do like a weekly export to a secondary system. The challenge and the downside with that approach is that not only do you have to have that secondary system, but now all of that content that got exported well, it's not indexed and searchable anymore. It's now just kind of like a big mess. So if you need to go through it later on in order to do post-incident analysis, it's that data is no longer in your video management system to where you can use analytics searches and 
I easily browse through things. It's just not there anymore because it's not in the database anymore. It's been exported. So you have to go through manually a whole bunch of video segments, which is very time consuming. Okay, so we've thoroughly covered this topic of uh, how it is that or why it is that you need to be having adequate storage capacity and retention. So you're certainly well beyond the capacity requirements, even in a residential situation. I'm very serious about this, even in a residential situation. And then ob obviously, most absolutely in a business situation, you're well beyond the capacity of a DVR. So you have to get have a VMS. So now the question comes down to, do you buy a VMS that's like a pre-made appliance from a manufacturer or do you build the system yourself? So economics and total cost of ownership is what I think you ought to be doing this analysis of. And so I went through this very detailed, lengthy, multi-week analysis comparing uh, apples to apples in a access camera station video recorder server. So an ACS video recorder server that's an OEM appliance that basically uh, access is, you know, they engineer it and then they, uh, they sell it, they support it. Versus if you were to buy an equivalent piece of hardware and then just put together the solution yourself. What I found uh, hands down was that you were not going to get the same level of necessary functionality from the Axis OEM provided video recorder server that was this you know, pre-manufactured appliance. Instead, you would be better off every single time to just put together your own PowerEdge server configuration, assuming that you could do that. Right? And the reason I say assuming you could do that, because maybe that's outside of the, the scope of your capability. And then if, if it is, then you know, find an external vendor to work with, such as QPC, on that sort of a project, you know, or, or then you know, if you're just not willing to go that route at all and you don't mind having less functionality for uh, paying, overpaying and having less functionality, then you can just buy the video recorder server. So where a video recorder server, it, you know, it has its limitations. It has many limitations of which I'll go through, but it doesn't have, it doesn't scale the same way that I find necessary for the vast majority of organizations out there. A lot of organizations have 30 to 50 cameras or more. Uh, and that's for a, you know, medium sized organization. We're not talking about, you know, massive business here. We're talking about a medium sized organization of anywheres from 30 to 80 employees, you know, not, not massive companies here. But yet, just simply due to the facilities that they have and what they want to cover and the type of security needs that they have, it's very simple and very easy for them to get to a camera count of 30 to 50 cameras or more. Well, you get to that many cameras and you said, I want to have at least two weeks of retention for my video and I want to have good quality video. 
Well, you're very quickly up into very, very, very high terabyte requirements for the video storage. Uh, 48 terabytes is the largest uh, Access Video Recorder server, or otherwise known as the ACS appliance. 48 terabytes is the largest that you can get right now. Now, I was able to put together a server design for slightly more money that actually yielded 63 terabytes, so significantly more storage. And the ability of doing that eliminated the need for the external exporting system. Remember I talked about how your goal is to actually retain video internally in the VMS and not have to export it, where then going through that exported data later on is just a beast. Uh, and then, of course, you have to have some sort of a secondary mechanism to ensure that the exported data somehow is cleaned up over time in an automated fashion, such as you only want to retain the exported data that is you know, no more than a month old or something like that. So now you have to have a whole other second, secondary mechanism to clean that up as opposed to just keeping all the video in your VMS to begin with. So what are the, I think this whole thing is very emblematic of any sort of a project you're trying to do where you say, do I really, really need to buy this server? Because servers look expensive. So people start then looking at, well, can I do it with a cloud hosted thing? And uh, in many cases, the answer is no. And in almost all cases, trying to do something with something that's cloud hosted is not going to be economically comparable and you're going to end up losing functionality. I've seen a lot of organizations try to do cloud hosted servers and they just don't have the network or internet bandwidth to be able to handle that. And when they start throwing the fees on top of the already exorbitant cloud hosting fees, but they start throwing other fees on top of it, which are fees for the very, very large internet connection pipe that they have to have in order to make that work. Now it's really not economical. So let's just go through, and, and again, I'm just using this VMS as an example to, to discuss through here, but it's because it's a it's very good example of the types of functionality and features that you should be looking for in any sort of a, a scenario where you're just like, oh my gosh, that server is really expensive. I, I mean, is there a cheaper alternative? Well, you have to know what criteria to use to evaluate these supposedly cheaper alternatives to find out, are they actually cheaper or are they actually more expensive in terms of long-term total cost of ownership, inclusive of life cycle uh, and feature sets and the human labor costs that are going to go into maintaining that over the long run. All right, so the uh, ACS uh, appliance that is the video recorder server that you can buy, it maxes out at the, the top of the line box, maxes out at 48 terabytes of storage. It maxes out at eight gigabytes of RAM, which is, you know, that's just chicken beans. That's barely enough to do anything. And as part of that, they list a specification that says uh, you are, this appliance is not designed for you to actually be able to view the video 
from there. So now because you can't view the video from it, uh, because it doesn't have enough RAM, you also cannot, uh, you have to have a, a whole other device to be able to view the video. Because they literally say in the spec, it's not designed for you to be able to view the video from this. And it's not because it runs headless or anything like that. It's just simply because it doesn't have enough RAM. So the the real RAM that I would put into an alternative system when I spec'd it out, uh, it had uh, 48 uh, gigs of RAM. Because in my experience, running 30 to 50 cameras, you're going to want at least 32 gigs of RAM, if not 48. And as part of that, you can then utilize a disk maintaining and disk performance optimization software called Velocity or Disk Keeper Server or Disk Keeper in general, if you were happening to run this on a, a Windows uh, workstation operating system. And all of the performance boosting software that's out there in terms of disk maintenance and uh, disk performance optimization and disk maintaining, disk performance maintaining software, it's all based upon do you have enough RAM in order to use as an active smart cache. And if you don't have enough RAM in there for not only the operating system, but this huge database, which is the VMS itself, you know, the ACS software is basically a giant database. And it's extremely active. Imagine pulling video from 30 to 50 cameras simultaneously. It's just a very active database. So it's very similar to the types of requirements you might have for any sort of a database server, whether it be Exchange or SQL. All of these things are very RAM intensive. And due to their level of activity, where there's constantly all of these writes going on to the hard drives, you need to have hard drive performance maintaining software. Well, the requirement for that is adequate RAM. All right, so if we're going in with this ACS appliance with only eight gigs of RAM, uh, you're not gonna be able to get anything done with that. So that, that's just a deal stopper right there. And you say, well, well, why wouldn't I just buy some extra RAM after the fact and uh, put it in? Well, now you've purchased aftermarket RAM modules and put them in. They're not covered by under the original warranty. And uh, you've just increased your labor costs and your cost in general for this particular solution because you're trying to modify uh, a pre-manufactured solution on an aftermarket basis. You know, really nothing good is going to come from that. And certainly it's not economical to do so. So I looked at uh, other factors such as how many cores did the processor have and uh, did it have an iDirect Enterprise in it, which hands down, bar none, if you're going to have a server, you have to have a way to do hardware-level remote control. That includes hardware-level uh, remote control of the power button. You need to be able to see what the boot process is. How do you get an operating system on it? Well, you're generally going to be getting that operating system installed on that device through the iDRAC Enterprise. So if the device that you're looking at doesn't come with an iDRAC Enterprise, uh, that's just a deal breaker right there. And again, you may say, well, why don't I just add that as an aftermarket solution? You could, but again, now you're increasing the apparent cost of whatever that pre-manufactured solution is. Now we also now have uh, operating system concerns because the ACS appliance 
comes with Windows 10 as an operating system. Now, this is a great example of trying to get by with using a workstation operating system when a server operating system is really absolutely necessary. So just think about this situation where you've got 30 to 50 cameras and you're trying to uh, save that data feed from all these cameras onto the system. Trying to do that over a one gigabit network connection on a Windows 10 PC uh, or a Windows 10 operating system is probably not a real great idea. It's, uh, that's a giant choke point. What would be a better approach is if you had a Windows 10 or a, a Windows server-based operating system that could do link aggregation. So now you could potentially be link aggregating anywhere from one to eight, or I should say anywhere from two to eight network cards. And each time you link aggregate a network card, then you're going up in terms of throughput capacity. Of course, you have to have a switch that has the capability to do link aggregation. But my presumption is, is that if you're going to run video surveillance, that you would have some level of competent switching equipment there as well. So the operating system on the appliance itself, uh, this OEM, you know, ACS appliance, it really just doesn't work for me from that perspective. Taking it one step further, it's the operating system is not just full-blown Windows 10 Pro, it's IoT Enterprise, which is the Internet of Things flavor, which has specific limitations on how many apps you can run. It is specifically, according to Microsoft's own documentation, listed to run only a single app. Well, now you then question, how do we back it up? Can we install a backup agent on this critical system to make sure that it's getting backed up? Maybe not. Maybe you can install that on IoT Enterprise or maybe not. What about the disk performance maintenance software? Is that not allowed to run because IoT Enterprise is only in slated to be able to run a single app? What about your security agent? What about a monitoring agent? And can you install Dell Server Update to install hardware updates? Well, no, because Dell Server Update doesn't work on a Windows 10 operating system. But the underlying hardware was a Dell PowerEdge server. So if the underlying hardware is Dell PowerEdge server, you need OpenManage Server Administrator, and you need Dell Server Update, in order to install, to just monitor things correctly and to have the ability to install hardware and driver updates. But neither of those applications will work on a Windows 10 operating system. They will only work on a server operating system. So this whole methodology of how you would even be able to install updates has been completely eliminated and blown out of the water, which explains why the few systems that I looked at that were actually in production, the ACS appliances that were in production, they were very behind on necessary updates for the Dell PowerEdge server hardware. I mean, if you don't have iDRAC Enterprise, then you can't use that in order to do the updates. There is the opportunity to put a head on the server, 
which means a keyboard, mouse, and monitor, and manually use the lifecycle controller built into the even the iDRAC basic to be able to do those. But this is a very manually intensive process, uh, and you just you'd have to do that very much so on a regularized schedule, and you have to be physically in front of the server in order to do that. So now there's no remote access to that at all. So you can't in you can't do that on a weekend unless you're going to go drive into the office and do that. So now the cost profile of maintaining that solution just went up significantly. And you can't use Dell Server Update to update it because, well, that doesn't run on Windows 10. You don't have any monitoring <clears throat> for the PowerEdge hardware because you can't install OMSA because Open Managed Server Administrator only installs on Windows Server operating system. Now, why is monitoring so darn important? Well, here's your critical video management system, which again could be emblematic of anything that you deem to be necessary and critical. If you don't monitor that, if you don't have the ability to monitor what's going on with the hardware, then you're not going to know when the processor is overheating, when a uh, power supply is having issues. Uh, you're not going to even know when a single hard drive in a RAID array has failed so that you can get that replaced proactively without having a complete system down. So you just don't have any way of monitoring things on a proactive basis so that you can fix things before they become a critical emergency hardware down issue when you can't install OMSA on the operating system. So I've written up a pretty lengthy analysis of this for you to refer to, and you could actually use this as a checklist to evaluate any sort of an appliance versus getting a real server. And uh, I hope it helps you from that perspective. This whole topic about the VMS is really just an example of any sort of a situation like that.